Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagri at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with the great gathering of the Sangha of monks and great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. And through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, how should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Avogateshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way. Seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness. Emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form. Form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, I datu, up to no mind datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death. No end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times, by means of Prajnaparamita, fully awakened to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangati Bodhisoha Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra, the noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Chandra Sangaraya Om Gate Gate
The fundamental ground descended with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. Holy Lamas high, wrap the sky of your Dharma bodies in massive clouds of knowledge and love, and let them pour upon the earth of your disciples as we are ready, a shower of rain, the teachings deep and wide.
ちょっと待ってにわてて茶葉しやくとわてまるわ。さんさ、あれね。パパとめげ最後まで行くぞ。で、ば茶葉。茶葉でげ、まがわちゅ、茶葉ちゅてげ、にわりじゃくれ。で
are in different orders. Uh, so we find in the sutra tradition, uh, in the sutra text, um, various uh, um, systems of belief, and one of them is that the greatest degree of non-virtue gives rise to a hell realm birth, a medium degree of non-virtue gives rise to an animal realm birth, and a small degree of non-virtue gives rise to a hungry ghost realm rebirth. So we find uh, two systems of presentation, uh, uh, that we, we find two systems of presentation. Dixon. <laughs> So, uh, when we get into uh, the points that are made, Jay Rinpoche just gives the presentation that there are these two, and doesn't, uh, uh, so he gives these presentation of two, and then when we begin to debate, some doubts can arise, because then you can use quotes from scripture to prove both things. So you can say, uh, the uh, animal realm rebirth is caused uh, by a small degree of non-virtue, and a hungry ghost rebirth is caused by a medium degree of, of, of non-virtue. Why? Uh, posit the reason. The reason is because we find in the levels of yogic deeds by Master of Sangha that this is the point. But then one can say, well then, a small level of, of non-virtue also gives rise to a hungry ghost rebirth, and a medium uh, level of non-virtue gives rise to an animal rebirth. So these two points are different. So one could say, well, I have a doubt because it seems like this cause can make one or the other happen because based on the quotations that we find in scripture and the sutra tradition, we find this other system that states that there is this uh, um, difference in order. Uh, so is it possible that we can prove that uh, the small and the medium are a cause for both hungry ghost and animal? So this is where doubts arise and this is the reason for debate for clarification. Because they can't be. It can't be that they're, they, that can't be. That's the point. That can't be. So this is why the doubt arises. So this is where doubt, we, we uh, accumulate our doubt. This is where doubt arises. So Jay Rinpoche just presents these two ways and doesn't say to follow one or the other. So then this rises, raises our doubts. So what is the reason behind this differentiation? We find that some texts present the hungry uh, um, ghost as uh, a lesser of, of uh, negative fruition um, because of the fact that a hungry ghost is quite intelligent. So an animal doesn't have the same level of intelligence that a hungry ghost does. Uh, and this is the reason for the difference in order at times. Uh, so we, we, when we say that it seems like there, this medium level of degree can cause both of these things, uh, why is that? Why is there this contradiction? And, and it's because of the points that are made about the intelligence of the hungry ghost. 
So then when we get to uh, the great treatise on the state of enlightenment, we find fruitional uh, um, causes, fruitional, fruitional karma, we find environmental karma and causally concordant uh, karma. So we find these uh, various, uh, they're actually in terms of results, fruitional results, uh, causally concordant results and environmental results, uh, but it's in the section speaking of, the, of karma, uh, results of karma. Um, so uh, we find these points that are going to be made there. So this is the day that uh, we celebrate the Buddha uh, leaving the um, God's realms and coming uh, into our realm. Then Kona Ama Gare. Okay, so then uh, Shakyamuni's mother uh, passed away. So uh, Shakyamuni went to the um, the, the God's realm and his mother passed away and when she passed away she went to the God's realm and when he saw her he then returned to the uh, to, to the earth or to the world uh, so this is the story behind that Shakyamuni's mother Shakyamuni was in a God's realm Shakyamuni's mother of, of that life passed away then ended up in the God's realm and then he came back to the earth then Kona Ama the Chan the Okay, so I was wondering if Mother said something, if there was some dialogue, and he's just repeating the story. So uh, that I, I stated. So it's similar in terms of importance today to uh, the month of Buddha, Sakadawa. So the, in terms of the importance of the day, it's similar to that. So one very small uh, virtue that one engages in today would then turn into 100,000 uh, virtues. It's a time of magnification. What <laughs> で、オマジュプで
So when we uh, make an order uh, in terms, when we speak of non-virtuous deeds, uh, we can uh, make them in the order of ten. Uh, three non-virtues of the body, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, four non-virtues uh, of the speech, uh, lying, uh, um, h- harsh words, uh, uh, um, uh, gossip, and let me use the words that they use here. So we have in terms of... Uh, I'm just going to go through it in this order. So in terms of, uh, I'll go through the way that it's stated here. So three of the non-virtues of the body, uh, stealing, sexual misconduct, uh, um, and killing, and four non-virtues of the speech, lying, divisive speech, offensive speech, and senseless uh, speech, and then three non-virtues of the mind, covetousness, uh, malice, uh, and then wrong view. Uh, so when we uh, look at this in order, uh, it's very beneficial because when when one engages in the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, uh, one can uh, have rebirth uh, into uh, <coughs> higher realms. One is able to achieve the state of a, a hearer or solitary realizer. Uh, um, one is able to achieve the state of a bodhisattva or a, a complete Buddha, all in dependence upon ethics. Uh, so we find in uh, the Madhyamika Avatara, Chandrakirti's uh, um, um, uh, entrance to the middle way, uh, where this is quoted, that the uh, ordinary beings, here are solitary realizers, bodhisattvas, and Buddhas are all <coughs> ethical behavior. Uh, so we find, uh, this is not the exact quote, but this, point, this quote is in the Madhyamika Avatara that states those points. Translator's note. Rinpoche quoted it exactly, and I just I, I didn't find the exact quote, so I, I quoted it as exactly as I could in an oral translation. Lesso. <laughs> So, we've already gone uh, through the first points uh, related to the uh, non-virtuous deeds. So, we've gone through the three of the bo- uh, body and four of the speech, 
Uh, so now we're going to deal with the three virtues <coughs> of the mind. Uh, so we begin with covetousness, and then malice, uh, and then wrong view. Uh, um, so when we begin, we look at these, uh, when we look at uh, the objects that relate, or the uh, emotions or, that relate to these various uh, misdeeds of the mind, we find that covetousness is uh, influenced by attachment. <clears throat> we find that malice is influenced by anger, and we find that wrong view is influenced by delusion. Uh, so we find this presentation as well, and, but we begin with uh, covetousness. One seventy in the Tibetan. Anyone who's following along, but they'd hear him say that in Tibetan, so <laughs> maybe that's not necessary. Less. <laughs> Nazulwate, and <laughs> Hai 
Okay. Okay, ascribing quality. Okay, so we'll do. Um, so when we begin with covetousness, uh, covetousness is uh, the first among the uh, non-virtue, three non-virtues of the mind. Uh, so like the other seven that we've gone through already, uh, it requires the four basis, attitude, uh, performance, and culmination. Uh, so these are all uh, necessary uh, to be present. Uh, so when we begin, uh, what the basis of covetousness is, it are the wealth of possessions uh, of another. Uh, so the, uh, for instance, the food, nice food or drinks or the things that someone else has um, uh, uh, are the basis for this. Now we cannot, now there are more parts to this because there then uh, has to be a, a desire that finds those things basis attractive and then becomes attached to it. So we can't say that if there is this basis, there is necessarily this attachment uh, um, and this uh, um, negativity because there are things that are attractive. There are uh, wealth and possessions. There are things that are found to be attractive. The Buddha sees all things as attractive, but because uh, he or she no longer has the imprints, the obstructions to omniscience and the uh, uh, afflictive obstructions, uh, there's no way for that improper mental conduct to give rise to attachment. Uh, so what the improper mental conduct is, is that one is uh, putting qualities because of one's uh, grasping at true establishment uh, and because of one's uh, um, previous imprints, whether they be obstructions to omniscience or the afflictive obstructions of attachment. So if one has these previous imprints still present of attachment uh, and this grasping at true establishment, then the possibility uh, for the arisal of this covetousness is, is there. Uh, if one no longer has these things, <clears throat> then the cause is not present. So the attachment can't happen, so the covetousness, covetousness does not happen. Uh, so here, uh, the basis of covetousness are the wealth and possessions, but then that one finds attractive, but then the next part is that then one desires and wants uh, and becomes attached to uh, because of this attractive uh, nature that one sees. So it's almost as one is putting the qualities uh, um, uh, um, uh, for instance, the, the God's realm, uh, we find all of these qual excellent qualities of their enjoyments and so forth. And it's almost as if we, we turn uh, through our mental conduct the things that we experience into these wonderful, we, we uh, exaggerate their qualities to the point that they're the qualities almost that they would be the enjoyments of a God's realm. And then we, we desire them and become attached. Uh, so we're, we're adding these qualities onto them uh, that are inflated or exaggerated. So that if this is, uh, it's very similar. So these, this covetousness and this malice uh, is a wrong uh, view. Uh, or wrong, yeah, wrong consciousness. Uh, and it's as wrong as that idea of grasping at a rope as being a stake. Uh, because if it is an afflicted uh, thought, if it is afflicted, then it is necessarily a wrong consciousness. Uh, so this is why we state that uh, this is a, a wrong consciousness, just like apprehending a rope as a snake is a wrong consciousness. Good day, 
Okay, so if there's the presence of, of affliction, then this is the case. It's the same as grasping at a rope as a snake. So here, the basis of covetousness are the wealth and possessions of another that one finds uh, attractive. Uh, and then it's, it says that, is this finding it attractive, the basis of, of, of covetousness? And no, it is the exaggerated mental conduct that uh, is related to the basis which one is then coveting. Uh, so it's the exaggeration that looks at it as almost the enjoyment of a god, puts these qualities on it that aren't, uh, uh, aren't, uh, aren't there. Uh, and then, uh, so this is what the wrong view is within this, uh, the, the point of wrong view within the covetousness, is that the uh, attraction, the attractive object itself isn't what makes that. It's the exaggeration uh, of its attractive qualities. Because one could debate and say, is it not attractive? And one could say it is attractive. But it's the over-exaggeration of the qualities that one then grasps and becomes attached to that makes it uh, this basis uh, that uh, is then one covets. That's and <laughs> Okay, so the basis of covetousness are the wealth or possessions of another. Of the three aspects of attitude, so when we look at the second aspect of a path completion, we find that it's the attitude, and there are three uh, divisions of attitude. Uh, first, the perception. Uh, second is the uh, affliction. And then third, the motivation. Um, so we, we look at, it says, of the three aspects of the attitude, the perception is the perceiving the basis to be what it is. The basis is the wealth or possession of another. So one is perceiving that it is another's wealth or possession. Uh, the second is the affliction is any among the three. Uh, so this is covetousness motivated by attachment, covetousness motivated by anger, covetousness motivated by delusion. Uh, and it says then the motivation is the desire to make the wealth or property your own. So here uh, one is saying that the, 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 uh, one, someone else's uh, wealth or possessions, uh, I, I desire someone else's wealth or possessions. So I want to make their property mine. Uh, so once this is the motivation, one is wishing uh, that one could make uh, another person's properties, possessions, wealth, uh, their own. 
The performance, so we get to the third part of the aspects, the performance is striving at the completed purpose. Uh, so the completed purpose, uh, here the striving is referring to engaging in the thought process or the work that it takes to make someone else's property your own. Uh, so it's the, the actual work, the, the actual thinking about it, uh, um, that is the performance itself. So it's what? the method one is engaging in to make the property, yeah, that the method one is engaging in to make another's property one's own. Uh, so then, uh, so when we look at the performance itself, it is engaging in the work, engaging in the methods, engaging in the mental process that one uh, needs to in order to complete the purpose. And here the purpose is uh, acquiring another person's property uh, uh, that one desires. Uh, so then it says, uh, um, the culmination is thinking, may it become mine, uh, about the wealth and, and the like. Uh, and it says, Asanga describes this as a determination uh, that it will uh, become yours. Um, so here, uh, when we look at John <coughs> Cheba's uh, outline of the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, in this section we find three sections. We find first the actual uh, covetousness, uh, then the full-fledged covetousness, and then and the not full-fledged covetousness. So we find these three uh, categories. Um, uh, so uh, here, uh, you could also say abbreviated, but it's the actual abbreviated uh, covetousness. So the, the first category. So here, uh, Sangha describes it as, uh, um, may it become mine, or the determination that it will become yours. So this determination that it becomes one's own item. Uh, is the, the culmination 
uh, or the completion, and then there's a, a large amount of information uh, that will then go uh, uh, about about this. Um, uh, but we find uh, in Asanga's compendium of uh, determinations, uh, the, the points that we find in the compendium of de determinations, uh, these these points. Uh, so. I think that's everything. Just let me just make sure I got everything. So the determination the lapsar. For this uh, to be full-fledged covetousness, five qualities are re required. So that gets into the second category. I covered everything. Dagger Majubi Chaba <laughs> Shoo なぜて、持つ名人、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね
so this is that first category. Uh, then the second category uh, is the full-fledged covetousness um, category, according to Jayan Sheba's uh, um, Lam Rim. Uh, and it says, uh, for this to be a full-fledged covetousness, five qualities are required. So it's necessary for all five of these to be present uh, in order for a full-fledged covetousness to be present. So first, having a mind that is exceedingly attached to your own resources. So one has to be attached to one's own things, first and foremost, uh, in order for this covetousness to take place. Second, having a mind of attachment that wants to accumulate resources, so a mind that wants to accumulate many things. Having a mind of longing due to comprehending or experiencing the good things of others, their wealth and so forth, so seeing others' uh, things uh, and, uh, and wanting them. Uh, um, uh, others, other people's things and wanting them. Having an envious mind, thinking that whatever is, is another person, others should be your own. Uh, so th- uh, being envious and thinking that uh, those person's things, I, w- I wish those person's things were my own. Uh, and having a mind that is overcome due to covetousness by shamelessness and an obliviousness about the determination to be free from the faults of covetousness. So what I asked Rinpoche is this number five, are there two mind states, shamelessness and obliviousness? And Rinpoche said it's one, one, uh, um, it's one category, so it's one thing. It's a shameless oblivious, it's, uh, it's combined. So you're shamelessly oblivious to, to the fact that uh, you, you don't, know that you should be free from these faults of covetousness. Uh, so uh, you could, I was just wondering if it you know, broke down into more categories or not, uh, and it doesn't. That's one kind of state of mind, shameless, oblivious, uh, oblivious. shamelessly oblivious. So if we keep going over this information again and again, as we have been, then slowly it will, we'll have it. We'll know this information. Uh, and we'll really know what covetousness is. Really know, like really know. <laughs> Okay, so then we get into the next. Uh, so that is, those are the five that deal with a full fledged covetousness. Uh, so how it makes a full-fledged covetousness. Now we get to the next section in Jayan Sheba's outline of a not full-fledged covetousness, and then there are three sections uh, that we we deal uh, with in there. Um, uh, um, so here is what. Uh, uh, so, so the first first section uh, deals with uh, the actual uh, the act the actuality that if there is no these five minds aren't present, then there, are, there is no covetousness. Uh, so this is the first point that Jamyan Sheba makes. The second point uh, um, is uh, whether or not these five uh, um, uh, points 
relate to the other, ten, other nine non-virtuous activities, if these five have to be uh, present uh, or they apply in some way to the other non-virtues. And then the last category are the examples uh, in Jamian Sheva's outline. Uh, so we find uh, first the actual uh, non-full-fledged covetousness, uh, um, what it is in actuality. It's when the five minds aren't present. Uh, and there are these, uh, these other things, but the five minds aren't present. Uh, and then the levels of yogic deeds point about the um, ten non-virtues and the application of these five to those as well. And then, of course, the examples. Okay. Uh, so the first, uh, we look at Jayan Sheba's category, it's the measure of a not full-fledged covetousness. So that would be the, the most accurate, the tse, the measure of not full-fledged covetousness. So it's if any of these five minds are not present, there is no actual covet uh, full-fledged, there's no actual covetousness. So it's not full-fledged if any among these five are not there. So this is the measure. Uh, and then the other uh, presentations in scripture about the ten non-virtues uh, is the second category and then the examples. Uh, so if if any among these five are not present, there is no actual covetousness. So when we look at what the measure of the actual third category is, which is not full-fledged covetousness, we would say that the measure of it is defined by this point here. Uh, it, if there are, if any of these five minds are not present, there is no actual covetousness. So this would be how we would define uh, a non-full-fledged covetousness, is uh, covetousness where any among these five minds are not present. So this next section is a doubt that arises in other sources that Lama Tsongkhapa clarifies uh, and it deals with the other ten non-virtues. Uh, so here it says the levels of yogic deeds says that these, to apply these five to all ten non-virtues. Uh, so uh, do these five apply to the other nine, yes or no? So there's a debate or doubt that may arise, and Jay Rinpoche is saying, yes, these five do apply uh, to the other ten non-virtuous deeds by, by way of quote, uh, stating that it's found in the levels of yogic deeds uh, by Master Asanga. Oh, and 
So this next part that is, is kind of an extensive explanation is saying that if there is covetousness but these five aren't present, then it's not a full-fledged covetousness. And so what are some examples of a non-full-fledged covetousness? Tat Jentle 
As for the manner in which an action might constitute covetousness that is not full-fledged, it is such covetousness when you give rise to the following desires. Uh, so we have the measure of covetousness, and then we have the uh, performance related to the other ten non-virtues, uh, and now we have the examples. So there'll be examples of a non-full-fledged covetousness. Uh, so first, the thought, uh, oh, how nice it would be if the master of the house were to become my servant and things could be however I wish them to be. Uh, and this could also be applied to places where there are leaders. So, for instance, in Middletown, there's a leader. Uh, in Hartford, there's a leader. And if we were to think uh, how nice it would be if uh, he became, I became the leader and they were under me, uh, 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 and here it says uh, 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 to become my servant, uh, so if the roles changed where I, uh, um, I became the leader and they became uh, under me, or below me, uh, and then I could have things however they, I want them to be. So it's this type of thought that is the first uh, non-full-fledged covetousness. It's this wish for a role reversal of someone who's above you. And Rimche gave the examples of, for instance, the leaders of the towns we're abiding in and so forth who make the decisions. Uh, next... Uh, also, such a thought with regard to his uh, wife and children, etc., and his physical possessions, such as food and so forth. So, in, in regards to a king's or here, the leaders of Middletown or Hartford, uh, their uh, uh, wives or wife or children uh, or their possessions, and then there were examples that were given, such as food and so forth. The thought, oh, how nice it would be if others knew me to have such good qualities as being dispassionate, retiring. Uh, persevering, learned, and generous. Uh, if only people knew me to be a great meditator, if only people knew me to be uh, so generous and a great practitioner. So these are the thoughts uh, that are embedded within number three. Uh, so there are these listed, and then Rinpoche gave uh, some uh, thoughts that one could have related to these. Uh, may, may everyone know I'm a great scholar. Uh, so uh, these are all within number three. Number four. You want to go to that? Number four, the thought, uh, how, I just let me f uh, finish, because I'll forget uh, the stuff. Uh, <laughs> the thought, how nice it, it would be if kings and ministers and the four types of followers of the Buddha were to respect me, and if I were to obtain such necessities uh, as food and qual uh, clothing. So here, four types of followers of the Buddha, referring to the fully ordained monks and nuns and the um, novice monks and nuns. Uh, so just a point Rinpoche made within that. Uh, so uh, uh, if I could obtain all of these things, then I could be respected by these, these other types of individuals mentioned. Developing desire, thinking, oh, may I be reborn in the future as a de deity and enjoy the deity's five sensory objects. So the deity's um, uh, uh, um, zoo, the form, uh, uh, smells, 
uh, tastes, uh, um, sounds, uh, tactile sensations, and so forth. Uh, so these are referring to the five uh, sensory objects: zudra, ro, reja. Okay, the five, and uh, and then may I be reborn? So this is a a desire to be reborn. And here it says, uh, and for instance, as the the the, the uh, as a deity uh, in the heaven of controlling uh, others' emanations. And that's the if we look at the six realms, uh, uh, the uh, the heaven of the thirty three and so forth and the controlling ones and other zones, emanations, and Ganden, and so forth. We find uh, that uh, um, the four great kings, that's the other one. So we find that uh, they, uh, this is the highest among those realms, and it's a desire, a coveting, the things that one has in those realms. And then number six, developing desire for the de- possessions of parents, children, servants, and the like, or the possessions of your fellow religious practitioner. Uh, no commentary. Dixon. Okay. Now... <laughs> Uh, so now uh, we get into the next uh, um, malice, harmful intent. So when we look at the three um, uh, of the mo- non-virtues of the mind, covetousness, uh, malice and uh, wrong view. Uh, we find that we've gone through the first uh, and we've completed covetousness, uh, and now we're getting into malice. And if I didn't translate it before, going back to the ten non-virtues, it does. If if it is a non-virtue, it doesn't necessarily have to be among those ten. These are just the principal teachings of the most course. So I just remembered I forgot to translate that. So if it is non-virtue, it does not necessarily have to be among those ten. That's just the principle teaching Buddha gave, which were the coarsest. So then we look at this first point about malice. It says the basis perception, perception and afflictions are the same as in the case of offensive speech. So when we look at the four non-virtues of the uh, speech, lying, divisive speech, offensive speech, and senseless speech, this is... Uh, uh, among those. Uh, so uh, it says, um, so they're in the same as in the case of offensive speech. So this means now we need to go back to the section on offensive speech uh, in the Lamrim Chemo. Uh, so 223 uh, in the English is where we turn back to uh, for this section. Okay, Okay, 
Then they're long, long. They're donagare. They're inchi cave. Kabiyore. That's good, I'm saying. Kongi maybe she. No, I said, yeah, Tizu Katul Tagodo. Tetubijene, Nous avons déjà conduit chez nous, 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 nous avons Jujigan <laughs> Uh, so here, uh, so then when we go to the section on offensive speech, it says the basis of, a, of offensive speech is a living being in whom you can engender hostility. Uh, so this is the same basis as one uh, for malice. Uh, so it's a sentient being, another being who you can uh, engender hostility. Uh, um, so this is the first part. And it says of the th three uh, aspects of category of attitude, uh, the perception uh, is uh, perceiving um, a living being who you can engender uh, hosti hostility towards. So you, the perception is the a living being, uh, and then the afflictions are as before. Uh, so the afflictions are referring to the attachment, uh, hatred, uh, and delusion. Uh, so those are the affliction. Then gulung, gulung yomari. Gulung dat gulung dekatuli. The gemma. Okay. So we begin with a statement in the section going back to 225 on malice. It says the basis perception and affliction are the same in the case of offensive speech. So this we went back to the section on offensive speech and dealt with that. Now we go uh, uh, back to the section on malice. That Dunabajitondo, 
So when we look at uh, how this uh, malice uh, takes place, um, when we uh, look at how um, uh, we become attracted to, we see things that we find attractive, uh, and then we become attached to them. And then we prescribe these qualities to them that are almost like the qualities of God's enjoyments. Uh, and then we become attached. Um, and in this case, when we look at malice, it's the opposite. We see it as unattractive. Uh, and then we see uh, um, the basis, which is a person, uh, not only as unattractive, but then we, in the same way we previously did with transforming this these things that we desire into nectar, we transform this being into an enemy based on this idea that we have that they are not attractive to us. Uh, and then uh, this is influenced by uh, our anger, uh, and then we have malice towards them. So without this feeling or this influence of the anger present, then, it's, then we don't really have uh, this malice. Uh, so that's why it says the basis of engender uh, um, when we look and we go back to uh, uh, offensive speech, it speaks of engender hostility. Uh, that's the point that's being made there, is it's a, uh, a, an object that we find unattractive that then we become hostile towards because we see it as an enemy. So then we have malice or harmful intent. <laughs> So then we think before this person harmed me, then we think now they're harming me, and then we think in the future will harm me, uh, and then we have improper mental conduct related to those points that exaggerates those points, and then we uh, um, have this wrong consciousness. This anger arises, and there's this wrong consciousness present. <laughs> So if one has this So if one has this improper mental conduct, uh, then this will give rise to uh, the the Gary Jagare the and 
So when we look at the way that these things arise, there are various things that uh, make negativities arise. First sign that they can arise is that there ha the affliction has not been abandoned yet. So these things will not arise if the affliction has been abandoned, but if the affliction has not been abandoned, then these things will arise. Uh, and the next point of how these afflictions arise and, and negative conduct arises is based on improper mental conduct. Uh, so it's through improper mental conduct that is uh, uh, um, thinking of things that uh, are attractive and exaggerating their qualities or thinking things that are unattractive and exaggerating those qualities uh, that causes the arisal of these negativities. So we have this idea, this improper mental conduct that, that sees uh, something as unattractive, sees something as uh, uh, impure or ugly. Uh, and then there is a, a arisal of a, a thought or an arisal of an emotion related to this um, uh, um, observation. Uh, and then the then we have the arisal of such things as malice. So we have the arisal of malice uh, based on this uh, um, uh, reaction to what we find to be unattractive or ugly. <laughs> So the first, when we look at the basis, it's a, a sentient being who you can engender hostility, who you can have this anger towards uh, because you, you have this, uh, uh, this idea that they are uh, unattractive or that they are uh, ugly, and then you have the arisal of this reaction to it. Kulunda Indicate chak. 
so then uh, it says the motivation is the desire to do such things as strike each strike others thinking such thoughts as how nice it would be if they were killed so thinking how nice it would be if someone died or if they were tied bound tied up or their resources were it's stolen either naturally or by another person uh, so the the word Rinpoche is using is gomogol, which is stolen, and we find here a shorter word go. Uh, so it it we'll just table that, but it's stolen is what we're going to translate it as right now. So now we get into the performance. So the performance is the thought that how nice it would be if they were killed or bound or their resources ruined, either natural or stolen, either naturally or by another uh, person. Or they lose their resources, maybe. Uh, the word stolen is used, uh, or naturally, or by another person. Uh, so that's the performance, is that thought. What the Nasenji, Jujib Sinja, the Yidumoton, and the Kontrolangore, Nasenji Gore, what the Madubaton Gore, Madubaton, and the Kontrolangore, Shedanji Gore, Yidumotons at the Dushaji Gore, Duba Yuba Maina. So here, then, so then one sees a person as unattractive or ugly, and then anger arises, uh, and this is how uh, the the malice um, uh, um, takes place is by by having this thought. Um, that this person uh, has this. So previously we, we stated that if there is not attachment, if there is not uh, um, uh, an attractive object present, then there is not attachment present. If there is not an inattractive object present, then there is not uh, anger or hatred present. Uh, so we find that quoted, the long karne, the ngama, the so we find that in the root wisdom text by Nagarjuna if there isn't this attractive object present there's not attachment present if there's not uh, an unattractive object present then there's not this hatred present so we find this in the root wisdom text by Nagarjuna so there's a large amount of debate that takes place around these topics so if we say if it is uh, um, a- attachment uh, and it is hatred, it is necessarily a mistaken view. Lushi and Bicha. Bene? I'm not saying that. The Chatu took a Lushi candidates. You don't want to, you don't want your bitch, then don't do, you don't want to live at the Tungwaters. So why is it, so for instance, when we speak of covetousness, why is it a wrong consciousness? It's because we're exaggerating the qualities of something, uh, like pers- uh, putting qualities like a God's enjoyments on them uh, through this exaggerated, this improper mental conduct, and we're arriving at this basis of covetousness based on this 
this mental process, and this is a wrong. This is why it is a wrong view. So when we first we say if it is this, it is that. We why is it a wrong view? So we start to look at these individual points, such as covetousness. Why is covetousness a wrong view? Uh, so then we say, if it is uh, this, if there is a non-attractive object, um, then is there uh, uh, necessarily uh, um, this uh, um, arisal of anger? And we have to say that there has to be this mental conduct related to uh, the object that is not attractive uh, in order for uh, there to be the arisal of this anger and so forth. So there has to be uh, this uh, um, uh, this thinking, this process around it, uh, not just the unattractive object itself. <laughs> So then when you start to debate, so you say there's a person who's possessing covetousness, uh, uh, then the the Oh, so it, uh, if there is a person who is possessing covetousness that then has harsh words because of it, is this then malice? So Rinpoche is saying this is how we debate. If there is this, then there is there that. If there is uh, someone who is covetous, who covets, but uh, has, uh, um, uh, um, harsh, makes, has harsh words, then are they also malice? Are they coveting? Are they doing it because of covetousness? Because they want, or is it malice at that point? Uh, so this is when we start to look at the finer details through debate of these points. Mm. Uh, so then someone who has covetousness, uh, then who becomes angry, uh, their covetousness is based on something that's attractive then does this anger then must come from something that's not attractive? Uh, so then how does one, uh, how does covetousness and anger relate if then it become, how does it then become that? Because where the object is something attractive and so then we start to look at the, these other points as well. So someone who's an angry person sees something that's attractive, for instance their friends. How, what happens there? Uh, so it's difficult when you start to look at these points in debate and try to compare them and, and how they relate to one another and what's actually one is experiencing. So when we look at these uh, uh, qualities of attachment and anger, the, the, the qualities of attractive that atta gives rise to attachment and uh, qualities of inattractive that gives rise to anger, we say that there is this uh, co mental conduct related to these things that gives rise to that. <laughs> 
So then we get to the uh, completion or the culmination of malice. So the culmination is the determination or desire to do such things as beating, uh, or I will kill this person, uh, and so forth. I wish this person were killed. Uh, so the, the definition of the culmination is a determination or desire to do uh, things such as beating, harmful things uh, uh, such as beating, and then here we have uh, killed, bound, resources ruined, etc. Resources stolen. So in Jamian Sheba's commentary, we find this section broken down into three categories as before, the measure uh, of uh, full-fledged um, and then the uh, um, full-fledged and then not full-fledged. So we find uh, uh, very similar to the previous presentation. So if we look at the first category, the, the measure of uh, uh, the performance, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we look at the first category, the actual performance, uh, the, uh, or the um, uh, abbreviated truth, uh, we find the culmination is a determination or desire to do such things as beating. Uh, so this is the actual uh, or tr abbreviated truth. full-fledged uh, um, malice, and then we'll get into what is, makes it a not full-fledged malice. So when we look at these two here, we find uh, um, what it makes, what, uh, if these five aren't present, then it's not a full-fledged uh, malice. And if the uh, five are present, then it is a full-fledged malice. So uh, we'll find uh, these points that are going to be made now for a full-fledged or a complete. Nezig <laughs> 
ちょっと待ってみて、知らんくせんと聞いて、なんかなんとんぶてて。ねばしばら、まずいべ、まずいべ、センターでばす。ねばしべ。いやんたんやんと、ついにめべ、コントリーを受けしべ、しばったべ、
Then a dala, Nerba Shesan, Sheba Woos, then a dala, Nerba Shesan, Sheba Woos. Tanetala, Nerba Shesher, Jenji, Samba, Tanya Tanji, Nursing Hilasa. They tasing in the Dagi, Dala Nerba Shivers, and Dala Nerba Shesan, Sheba Woosa. Dal Nyabachujimanatana, so this next category deals with not full-fledged uh, malice. So it says uh, attitudes of simple malice are as follows. So not full-fledged malice. Uh, it says, to the extent that you reflect someone has harmed me or is harming me and think about how to bring harm to whoever is doing or did the harm. So this improper mental conduct that is thinking about the person who is harming me uh, and so forth and, and, uh, and then having malice towards them. Uh, other examples of simple malice are the wish that someone else's relatives' resources uh, or virtues, etc. might deteriorate so that their loved ones, their relatives might deteriorate, their resources, their things. Uh, um, uh, their enjoyments, their food, their drinks, all their uh, virtues, uh, root virtues and so forth. Um, uh, all of these things, uh, whether they are their qualities of their person or uh, things that they have, there is a wish that they deteriorate uh, in this lifetime and the wish that someone else might go to a miserable realm in a future uh, lifetime. So here it's also the wish that someone will go to the lower realm <coughs> of existence. So uh, these are all examples of simple malice. So now we're going to arrive at Lanja uh, so we find uh, this is very, we're going to we're now arriving at the section on uh, wrong view, uh, and because there uh, is a large amount of information uh, in this section, uh, we're going to table it till the next class. 
but it's very important uh, that we remember uh, that when we look at what the causes for virtue uh, and non-virtue, I'm sorry, the causes for happiness are, we find that they're virtuous activities. When we look at the causes for uh, suffering, we find that they are the non-virtuous activities. So when we get a very clear understanding of these, we'll know how to engage. We'll know how to move forward. Uh, so once we understand this and understand how we should act, uh, and then we couple that uh, with refuge um, in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, uh, then uh, we will necessarily be able to have uh, good results from that. Um, so when we look um, at the, uh, um, uh, the, 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 the king of the Nagas Sutra, and, and we, we find uh, that um, if, <clears throat> even if one uh, does not uh, um, trans, uh, um, transgress uh, one's view, uh, um, which is the view, which is the faith of conviction in uh, Buddha and uh, the refuge and then the karma and its results. If one still has this view intact, uh, even if uh, they have um, um, fallen short uh, on their ethics, their rituals, or their livelihood, uh, they will still uh, not have to be reborn uh, into uh, the uh, hell realms um, no, if there is this intact view uh, and then uh, they'll be born as Nagas, uh, and then from there, born into the uh, God, higher realms uh, and the gods' realms, and then be able to become a foe destroyer uh, um, from that. So we can become a foe destroyer. So we can see how powerful uh, going for refuges and uh, developing faith and conviction in karma and its results. Uh, and we find uh, that point being made in the, um, uh, um, uh, the great Naga king, uh, sutra, which I can't find anywhere right now, which I know where it is as soon as class ends. Um, but those are the points that, that were made. I just wanted to make sure I got the name of the, the title correct. Um, 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 but the points that were made is that the beings who uh, um, kept that vow, that view intact, even if they transgressed their livelihood or their, their ethics uh, or rituals, they still were reborn as Nagas and then had the opportunity after that to be reborn into the higher realms and achieve the state of foe destroyer. Uh, those that aren't on the Mahayana track. What does the Santana hand was? So if we think about these things, it's very uh, beneficial for us. So ethics are very important uh, going forward if we, when we wish to... Uh, Go forward, uh, um, because we see uh, um, that the tsuchim. So when we uh, um, find in the, the questions of the Naga kings of the ocean, that's the exact title of it, 
um, we find uh, that uh, if one has even transgressed uh, ethical behavior, um, uh, so ethical behavior is Im important for us to be able to progress on the pathway. But we see even if one has transgressed one ethic ethics, so we see ethical behavior uh, such as the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtues or the... Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the, um, the individual liberation vows, or the bodhisattva vows, or the tantric vows. Uh, so we find that even if one has transgressed one's ethical behavior, even if one has transgressed one's rituals or livelihoods, if the philosophical view is still intact, which is a faith and conviction in the, the refuge, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and in karma and its results, uh, then one will not have to be reborn into the hell realm. So we see how powerful this is, even if there's a transgression of these ethics. If this view is still intact, if this faith and conviction is still intact, then there isn't a hell realm rebirth. And in this, this uh, text, we find that there is a question uh, that the elder Naga is asking uh, um, to Buddha of why uh, during there it seemed to be a decline uh, in uh, the numbers of Nagas in the Naga land, that even his retinue had declined. But then in the future, at, there was at this time, at a time previously, but in these days, it seems like there are more Nagas in that realm uh, than ever. And Buddha explained that during uh, that, that time, uh, there were, uh, when there weren't as many, uh, there were many uh, um, people who took vows, who uh, in, took vows uh, uh, and so forth, the various types of individual liberation vows and so forth. Uh, and because they weren't able to keep them, but they kept uh, their philosophical view intact, which is referring to the faith and conviction and refuge and uh, karma and its results, uh, um, because they kept that faith intact, um, they were reborn as Nagas instead of in the hell realms. Um, so this is the reason for the increase in number of Nagas uh, because these beings had the faith and conviction in these uh, in refuge and karma and its results but did not have the proper ethics, livelihood, and rituals. Um, so uh, this is the reason that Buddha stated this uh, um, uh, and then stated that uh, but during uh, the... Um, they'll, these, these beings uh, will then after, be born, after their Nagas uh, be born uh, into the higher realms uh, and then be able to achieve the state of foe destroyer. Uh, it says, except for those who enter uh, the Mahayana. So nonetheless, it is said, though, though their practice is not pure upon their death as Nagas and the transference to a new life, they are reborn as deities or humans through uh, the power of their unlapsed conviction in the teaching. Except for those who entered the Mahayana, all of them pass into Nirvana during the teachings of those who will become uh, Buddhas in this auspicious eon. Uh, so uh, we see how powerful... Uh, this understanding of karma and its results really is if it has the ability to keep us from the hell realms. Think so. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Go to your world, the poor student to Chugalo, 